Hey everyone, I'm Brenda. And I'm Julia. And you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us Amanda Walker, who's in a very cute headband. Amanda is a health and life coach who helps women push past misguided beliefs to build a body, mind, and business that feels amazing. We love that. Amanda is the creator of the Feel Amazing Naked program and podcast and is a certified health and life coach. Amanda, we are so excited to have you. I have a very specific topic that I want to talk about in a little bit, but um, I'm so excited about everything you do. So thanks, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for the invitation and I'm excited to support you and get to know you guys and um, all your listeners too. Yay, so exciting. So um, first off, Amanda, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and if you don't mind saying how old you are since it's Roaring Twenties. Of course. Well, I am 39. I'm turning the big 4-0 in less than five months. <gasps> My husband likes to remind me that I'm a cougar because he is two months younger than me, which is <laughs> whatever. But um, right, great. And yeah, so a, a few things you should know about me um, are I have an 11 and nine-year-old, um, which are spunky and independent, just like the way I like it. And um, I am a former high school teacher turned life and really business coach more is a lot of the work I'm doing now and I'm passionate about. And I, I loved my job as a teacher. And also I've always had this really strong pull to know there was so much more waiting for me outside of the constructs of what we are taught that life exists in inside of. And um, I finally kind of had a pivotal moment. We were on our 10 year anniversary trip and I was just like, F this, like I'm going all in on myself and really doing what lights up my soul. And so over the past five years now, I've been developing my coaching practice. I love helping women kind of just create a life that feels amazing to them and drop the stories, the BS that's been holding them back. And then the other part of my business now is just helping coaches and consultants start to grow their practices as well and step into their their own unique space in the coaching industry. Wow. Love that so much. I feel like some limiting beliefs in general and just these like negative stories, all these things come up so much. I think for everyone, no matter what phase of life you're in, but it's something that Julia and I specifically talk about a lot. So I'm excited to dive into that in a little bit. Um, but before we jump into that, can you tell us a little bit about your story? So like, how did you get specifically into this line of work? Like, what was that uh, turning point? And also maybe even if you could touch a little bit on like, what was the reason that ultimately led you to transition into this line of work? Yeah, it's definitely grown with me, which is part of um, something that I hold accountability around myself is I used to say when I was a teacher, I never wanted to be a filing cabinet teacher because I used to see these, I'm sure we've all had them, these old crotchety teachers that freaking literally pull out the same folder that they'd have done yep. January the last 20 years. And I always promised myself I would stay in congruency with my own desires. And I hold myself to that same standard in business. So it's grown with me. I just don't want to be doing the same thing I was five years ago if it didn't align with my heart and soul. And it wasn't, to be honest. So when, um, you know, business kind of, 
I, I always say I'm an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't really know anything about entrepreneurship, but I was, um, you know, two, I'd had two kids. I'd also come from um, experiencing several miscarriages, one in particular that really kind of rocked my world and felt, you know, like struggled with body and um, definitely turned to emotional eating as a coping mechanism throughout. I mean, in hindsight, my whole entire life, but really got awareness of it post kids. And I remember a very pivotal moment for me was, and you told me it was all, or I could say all the things though. Um, my husband like came into the bedroom with that look in his eye, like it's going down. And so things start to get hot and spicy. And, um, you know, he goes to like whatever base it is, second or third, he puts his hands up my shirt to try to take off my shirt. And I like viciously slapped him away. And it was almost like, and I, I mean, I met my husband when we were in the junior in junior high. We wow. dated since we were seven. Like we know each other, the insides and outs very well. Oh That's not a norm for me. Right. So it almost like I gasped he gasped and was like, what's going on? Hmm. And in that moment, I realized that I had just fallen away from myself and kind of lost myself in motherhood in those beginning few years of motherhood. I'm not going to lie. They're hard. And you're like, what did I get myself into? Um, and so my route back to myself was initially through my body and changing my body. And so nutrition, I kind of went all in on nutrition. And, and honestly, that's what opened up my businesses. People started seeing my physical transformation and they're like, I want in on that. That, like help me and I love that and it was fine and dandy but the problem I experienced was multiple years into that journey I remember very clearly there's a picture that somebody took of me at the gym and I was like shredded sh like chiseled six-pack probably like 15 to 18 pounds thinner than I am right now and I thought in that moment like the happiness fairies would have descended upon me and been like yes you've made it and to be honest I was totally mental health is crisis in my mind I'd fallen into deep comparison trap to where like I would scroll social media and just cry basically um, I was insecure so judgmental of others and so it was that moment that really shifted into much of the work I do now which is more heavy on um, the element of you know limiting belief work and understanding where happiness is really cultivated it's not a external thing right it's an inside job and so that has been kind of the trajectory of where the feel amazing naked concept came from and why i'm passionate about you know the work i'm doing now that was really long sorry no that was amazing i had to put all the pieces together <laughs> yeah and there's like so many things in that that i'm like oh want to talk about that i want to talk about that um so thank you for sharing all of that and it's funny someone asked us the other day like why do you ask people your age on your show and Brenda and I were like well because it's about being in your 20s and we usually have people on the show that are that have already been through their 20s so that they can like so that we can check in on where people are in life because there's this I think that there's this idea for 20 year olds that like you have to have the job that you're gonna have for the rest of your life and like have it all together so by the time that you hit 30 like everything is squared away and figured out and you know like you don't have to worry about all that stuff anymore kind of feels like the the misconception about this age group so it's it's really in encouraging at least to me to have people on the show who made a change especially when it comes into like in terms of career like that like this wasn't what they were doing in their 20s and like look how successful they are because I think that there's that fear that if you don't have it all together right now that you can't 
reach success. Mm -hmm. And so it's always very inspiring to have people on like you. And like, we've had like Heather Monahan on who hasn't, who didn't hit success until her forties, like to remind us that like, you don't need the job that you're doing now doesn't need to be the job that you're doing when you're 35, 39, 50, whatever it may 100%. be. Both my husband and I started business in our, in our early 30, mid thirties, I guess it's those like crazy saying mid thirties. Um, you know, and his was an outlet. My husband makes handmade knives and it be, he's on the SWAT team for our city and it became like an outlet for him, a mental health outlet. And it grew into this thing when people were like, can you make me one? And now like we run a shop in our backyard. And um, honestly, I just feel like it came to us at the right moment in time. We weren't mature enough in our twenties to be able to make those decisions. We were caught up in the things to be honest and having the look, having the things because we thought that's what success meant in our 20s. And now we're redefining that in 30s. And I'm imagining I'm probably going to continue to redefine it into my 40s and 50s. Right. And and even part of your story to be that, you know, after motherhood, then some of these things came up. It's like the the misconception that this is only something you're going to deal with, like at this stage of life, and then like, never again is just so isolating, Mm -hmm. I think for people in their 20s and outside their 20s. And, um, to get a little bit back to your program and then into the whole kind of limiting beliefs thing, which is really where I, I want to spend a lot of time because I think it's so important, especially when it comes to limiting beliefs women can have in relation to like business and our place in that, um, especially with things being passed down. But thank you for sharing your story about that moment with your husband. And I, I, I love that your program is about feeling good naked. And like, what does that mean to you? And why was that something important to share with like women? And what do you feel like contributes to this kind of thing that I would say every woman has of like feeling uncomfortable in our own skin a lot of the time? Mm -hmm. I think that it's um, a core cultural installation that we receive as young children, that there is a right way to live and that that girl over there, she's doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so automatically it puts us in um, an inner conflict of um, like, I, I, well, I have to achieve the right way. And the reality is that does not exist. The right way is your way. And so that's really the mission of my program is to help women let go of all of the shoulds that we place in our life from something as simple as like, you should clean your house. I mean, nobody, no, you, you don't have to freaking do that. If you want to, cool. If you want to do your laundry, cool. If you want to make the dinner every night, cool. And if you don't, that's okay too, right? And also, you know, going deeper into body work, um, all, that is a part of our program. We talk about it, but I no longer really support extreme weight loss discussions um, because I always ask my clients that are tell me they want to lose weight. Well, what do you want on the other side of 40 pounds less that you can't access right now? And when we ask that question, they'll say, well, I'll just be more confident. I'll just wear the clothes. I'll just, but what's stopping you from wearing the clothes right now. And the whole purpose is to be happy at every moment. And so it's just peeling back so much of the story. So for me, the feel amazing naked concept came to me like in a deep meditation, by the way, which is like an interesting story and a conversation with a girlfriend. And to me, it was just like peeling back the layers to be authentically you and own the life that you desire and give yourself full permission to let go of the crap that's not serving you and do only the stuff that lights your fire. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think it's, it's really, it's, it sounds like logically so much easier. And obviously, you know, from the people that you work with and stuff that breaking those limiting beliefs can be so hard after having those same automatic negative thought patterns time and time again. And I love what you said about letting go of the shoulds. I think there are so many different like quote unquote norms that we place onto ourselves and place onto other people and the whole comparison thing that you mentioned. So for being in a world where social media is huge, where comparison is huge, what would be like your your best piece of advice in order to let go, to actually like tangibly let go of those shoulds and really show up in the world in a way that does feel aligned? I mean, a couple of tangible things. First, you mentioned social media. And yes, you can unfollow the people and do the things like strategically. I think that um, arrow for me is always just, I'm such a huge advocate in my coaching around just like take ownership for yourself, follow through on your commitments. And so the thing I make a commitment from is if I find myself on social media and all of a sudden I'm like, oh crap, it's been like five minutes is I come back to this core question of what's my purpose here? Like, what am I showing up for? Was it to post and to like interact with my audience? Um, then cool. Why am I scroll holding? <laughs> like, why am I just bloop, bloop, bloop? And quite honest, I, I try to spend as little time, um, interacting with others, which doesn't really serve me sometimes in business, but unless it's in DMs, like I love me some DMs, send me those. I want to talk to all the people, but looking at a lot of other posts, especially in the coaching space, which I think is an industry that's getting a little bit watered down. That to me needs you know, that, that those are not things for me, but when it comes to um, like letting go of the shoulds, I think the first step to that is getting crystal clear on what it is that you want. I mean, I ask women that question, well, what do you want? And they're like, I don't know, like, what should I want? This is the thing. If you, you're not going to get any result from anything if you're not clear on why you showed up to do the work. So is it that you want to create a morning for yourself and the space for yourself to like work out and have time? Is it that, you, you know, you want to zip up some relationships and have, mo- you know, more congruency there? I, I don't know what it is, but step one to knowing, like getting rid of the shoulds is knowing what you want, because you have to figure out what those, if those shoulds are a part of getting that, or if they need to be like, you know, pushed away. Yeah. Definitely. And I I love that you mentioned before too, about like being happy now, or even if it's not like 100% fulfilled in this moment, like still respecting, at least this is the vibe I was getting from what you were saying, like respecting where you are right now and not, I think so often when we have some sort of goal, it's very easy to fixate so heavily on that goal and not like be kind of okay where you are right now as you're in that process. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with that whole, like, I'll be happy when mentality. And I love that you really touched on like redefining not only what success means, but what happiness means, because I think we place a whole bunch of shoulds um, on what both of those things are and really define them often because we don't have that clarity on what we actually want. If no one's opinion mattered. we, we And why we want it. And, ooh, yes. Right. Like knowing what we want. And that would be the second part is understanding why we want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like people don't take the time to like think about that part of it. Yeah, it's so interesting. Agreed. Totally. In terms of, you know, yeah, the shoulds and like, especially with social media, like there's so much that we think we should be doing. And then especially as women, things that have been passed down to us for so long from society, when it comes to the limiting beliefs part of it, is that are there? Yes, the body one is like super in our faces all the time, but are there other limiting beliefs that you see consistently kind of across 
clients and it's like if we could just like shake all of the women to like come of these like what are some of like the most common stories that women are telling themselves that we might be better off without yeah I think there's um like three that come to mind immediately and I think the first two kind of fall in the same vein is life is hard and it has to be hard right it's just like you'll hear a million I mean how how many times did you hear growing up well life's just hard like Mm -hmm. suck it up and I I hate that word hard in general because it it can mean so many things it's such a general like what does that mean is life uncomfortable and is it filled with contrasting emotions yeah sure that's kind of the point right because you need the good you know the good or the bright the good feel good to understand why the bad feels so horrible and we want to get out of them right um so I think and, and then when it comes to it has to be hard um I think that's around change I see that a lot around food work is there's so many there's so much stimulus around food health body there's keto there's low carb no carb there's fasting there's lift weights do cardio take this cleanse right and then you have these well-respected or let's say I don't want to even say the word well-respected but then you have like celebrities and influencers touting their methods which are just to make money right So then the reason, you know, we adopt that belief is because it does kind of feel it's confusing, right? And so all of these people out there are claiming it's so hard, they have the magic answer. Then yeah, that belief is definitely ingrained that to feel good in our body, it can be hard. I remember a client recently just realizing so clearly, not specifically around weight loss, just fueling her body with good foods. And she's like, Amanda, uh, I'm like not trying to lose weight, but it's like happening because I'm just focusing on some of the tools. She's like, I don't like, it's not supposed to be this easy I'm like yeah actually it is (laughs) that's how easy it can be right so I think those kind of fall are in line with each other the other one I would say is I don't have time yeah um and obviously of that one yeah an objection but it's also a belief and so much so that this is the reality that women create that's interesting um and so I think that's a a really big one and then I, I had another one at the I don't have time. It's a big one. Yeah. I'll come back and think of another one, but there was another one at the tip of my tongue, but those are great starters. Oh yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. And I, it's just so true. Like, I think those are things that we come up against often, or even if it's not every single day, it's stuff that we come keep coming back to. Like I know a lot of people in our lives use is specifically the one that I don't have time. And it's funny because Julia and I have kind of gotten real with ourselves and with each other about when it comes to our time, like how we value our time, how we use our time and how often when something is super important to us, we find the time or we make the time or we prioritize it or we figure it out. And that doesn't mean that we'll have, be able to make that time every single day, but it's, it's so interesting that when you really shift your perspective on something like that, it does make a difference, but kind of on the little bit further on the limit beliefs. I feel like we mentioned a little bit before, like these negative stories and stuff. I know something I'm personally just like to be vulnerable. It it was even experiencing today was just some very like automatic negative thoughts. And I think because I happen to be of more, I would consider myself positive or optimistic person. I have so much trouble navigating negative thoughts because I'm like, there must be a deeper meaning to this. Or why is this happening to me versus like, Um, looking at them logically or even releasing them. I have a lot of trouble letting go. So for someone who's in my shoes, (laughs) what would you say to them when it comes to navigating those situations? Yeah, absolutely. And I remember the other one, I think we should come back and talk about it is I can't have everything I want. Mm. And it like also we were taught that the easy, the easy. Yeah. Like we were, were told that I haven't found, found myself without languaging early on in parents, but you don't get everything you want. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually you do like, you could have everything you want. Ooh, um, like and that. so just coming back to that, but 
I think um, I'd love to use just a metaphor around what you said is I played basketball growing up. And so, you know, I've spent hours just like with my right hand and a ball training that muscle memory, right? So that every time still to this day at almost 40, I put a ball in my hand and I shoot like I did when I was 16, right? And that's because we wired the neurology in our bodies and in our minds to come back to that place. And so I just take that as an example of why are, why do those automatic, you know, beliefs pop in or thoughts is because we've wired that neurology either consciously or unconsciously in our mind. And so I think step one is like, just give yourself a little space and compassion because self-awareness is number one. You are aware enough to know you have them, which honestly, I think is a step ahead of many women. I didn't even know what that was in my twenties, to be honest, limiting belief conversations. I didn't even know anything about them until I was 30 years old. I mean, you guys are so like, you know, grateful to be in this personal development phenomenon that's happening oh my God, in a lot yes, of ways. This is a very selfish show. We absolutely, yeah, do that's why I love to podcast reason. too. Yeah. I love to podcast for that reason too. But, and the cool thing is, is if you're aware of it, you can change it. So something in the NLP and hypnotherapy plate space that we like to say is instead of calling a limiting belief is to call it a limiting decision because it presupposes you can decide something different. Oh, I like that. And so when you change that whole thinking, it gives yourself more space. And so then the question I would offer you back or to self-reflect around, or if I'm doing like a hypno session or something with somebody and using timeline therapy is asking them, what do you want instead? Right. So then we can rewire the neurology. And so then it's like, here comes the old thing. We're out. And what do I want instead? We already have kind of a clear back pocket view of what that new thought is that we'd like to offer into that space. Mm -hmm. And then just like shooting a basketball, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah. I love that. And I think it gives a lot of hope too, in general, because I think sometimes something that we hear with some people in our lives is like, this is too deeply ingrained in me to change to an extent. Like, I think now we're becoming more aware that like certain things can be changed. Um, But I've totally had those thoughts too, where I'm like, dang it. Like I keep coming back to this thought, like, but even though like we've seen other people, right, totally transform their lives, change their minds, like have new automatic patterns. But I think sometimes when you're in the thick of those feelings, um, it's easy to fall into the idea is like, oh, is this ever really going to change? But I guess, like you said, with repetition, um, if you are truly intentional with that repetition and not giving up, then eventually it's going to solidify. And when I'm working with a client to transition that, or we're self-aware like that that's happening, the new neurology is solidified by going out and taking action, mm-hmm. right? So it's one thing just to say, okay, my belief is right now the, the decision I made, whatever, however long ago is I can't have it all. But now, you know, my new decision I want to make is I can have anything I want. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have to go out and take action to prove to your brain that that is possible. And that's where most people fall off the cliff is they're like, okay, I see that that I want the new one, but then action is the massive action, right. That actually moves the needle. And that's the hard, uncomfortable work. Mm-hmm. And when we don't go take that, then we're not solidifying the new neurology and then the belief is still there. I, I, I really want to dig into this because I think that, that that limiting belief of I can't have it all is like in so deeply, deeply ingrained in us, especially in women. I can't be a successful business woman or career woman and be a successful mother and be a successful partner and, 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 and friend, whatever the ands 
continue down to be I think that that is like something that has been ingrained it's like well you can't be all the things and it's like why fucking not why can't I be yes I absolutely Mm -hmm. can be um but can you talk about that action piece that you just mentioned because I think even if people are like okay I don't believe that that's like I know that that's the thought that I've been conditioned to believe I don't want to believe that that's true what is that action piece Yeah, that action is personal. First off, I just want to say that because how that appears in each of our lives is different. And a decision that I have worked through a lot is I can't be a present and awesome mom and run a, you know, seven figure business. Like those were stories I told myself because of the modeling and honestly, the influence of like what parenting looked like for me. Right. I grew up with a successful mother um, who worked in a corporate job and she was a freaking awesome mom. Um, So I actually had that modeled to me. And then I got to myself and what I realized is I was holding on to this secondary decision that being a good mom meant staying home full time. Mm. And I was like, well, that's not true. (laughs) And so for me, like the actioning around that, Mm. um, you know, first it it became getting clear on what support was reasonable for me to grow my business. I knew I couldn't do it alone. And I found that when I was trying to do both at the same time, I was crappy and shitty at both. And so I was like trying to prepare a podcast and then I'd get interrupted. And then I try to like play a game with the kids and be in both spaces at the same time. And I was doing a disservice to both because I wasn't allowing myself to fully believe I could have both. So the actioning for me was just asking for support, lining up, uh, you know, babysitters, which happened to be our mothers um, and just giving myself full permission to go all in on my business for those hours I've selected. And then all in on my mo- being a parent on those hours I've selected. And then also for me, the actioning was it presupposed that those in- containers were in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. So I brought my kids into my business and I gave them tasks and like tasks, right? Some, sometimes they were really little, but it came to like drawing on my whiteboard or sitting next to me and you're my assistant. Can you get me this? But and, and sharing them like with them, big wins and struggles and just showing them the behind the scenes. So this was like our business because it benefited all of us. Um, and I was a better mom because I felt purpose in outside, you know, outside of motherhood. So, I mean, there's a lot of actioning that can solidify. I've also done release work around money. And my action was to go order a pair of Vans on brand, like custom made shoes. And I had a huge money breakthrough after that. So um, I think it's just like, it, it, it's what fits for you in that moment um, under, you know, the guidance of like, you know, somebody coaching with me, we brainstorm those action items that seem relevant to them in the moment. Yeah, that's super powerful, especially when it comes to like, um, we talk a lot about like having tangible evidence of to disprove whatever negative thought it is that you're having. Um, and Julia and I have been talking about that a lot, especially when it comes to like being a reliable person or like honoring your word and stuff like that. I think so often we attribute kind of like I was mentioning before, such a deeper meaning to something like something as I don't know, maybe like forgetting to pack your kids lunch like oh I'm a bad mom like how did it get so deep so quickly you know um or uh forgetting something on your to-do list oh that means I'm a I'm not reliable or I'm a bad worker or I'm a bad you know all these different things that we attribute such deep meaning to so I love um what you mentioned about just creating specific actions around what it is that's personal to you to disprove 
that and have that evidence that it does exist. I know for me, um, something I've been thinking a lot was like honoring my word. And although I'm very committed in a lot of different areas of my life, for some reason, that story comes up a lot for me. Um, so I made like a list that's ready to go of all the reasons as to why I am a person that keeps my word. And um, it's been super helpful for me to just kind of like continue to rewrite that. So I just think it's, it's so cool that you do this type of work, because I think that so many people need it. Like it just makes your life 10 times better by being able to get clear on what it is that where those thoughts continue to come up and notice those patterns and really, really repetitively and intentionally rewrite them. Yeah. It's powerful. And it's even cool. You know, it's even more cool um, using one of the modalities of QTT, which is called quantum transformation technique. And it's usually it's allowing the power of your unconscious mind to bring up whatever needs resolution. And sometimes I don't know if you're familiar with it. And sometimes those stories are not our stories. They've been passed down to us. And so when we get to like the hardcore root of them and break them open, it's kind of crazy what you know, your mind allows you to resolve when you hold this space for that. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot and like listening to a lot of stories about that a lot about what things that things that are not even our story, but that we've taken from whether it be our parents or our grandparents or society from long ago. And it is it's it's interesting that you said like your example of, you know, a mother was someone who did it, did it both or did it all. But even though we've come a long way for women, there still are so many women I think that don't that don't see that they can do that because either their mother was an example of it or that that's been the societal example that has been the majority whereas you know I think I think we're starting to move from that um I hope so but in terms of like it's kind of a different if you're kind of a caveat to this but like how does self-sabotage kind of come into play when it comes to these things because even if it's subconscious like I think I think I do it sometimes of like I totally believe that I can you know be successful in my career and have a successful relationship and be a successful mom but sometimes I wonder if I'm doing certain things to like self-sabotage those certain things because I don't know why because maybe I'm like there's some fear or um I don't know this topic this I'm is taking awesome. notes actually because I oh, want to say a couple of things as you're talking please, I'm like please talk about it yeah because um, I yeah I, I yeah, oh, go ahead. Aware of them, like, are how can we even be aware if we're self sabotaging in certain ways? Um, why do we do it if we know that we sure. want certain things? Please, like, take take the reins. I don't even know. I just re- I just recorded a podcast episode about this kind of very topic, but um, two things come to mind. First is the motiva- motivational strategy that you utilize for what you want. So, away from motivation versus toward motivation. Are you familiar with this languaging or? No. no. Okay. Um, so away from motivation means like, I hate being in the pain of this place. I want to get the heck out of it. And so I'm mo- I'm motivated to get away from the pain. So this could be like, if you were in 50 K debt and you were bills are piling up, you're like, I got to get out of debt because this like sucks. Or it could be like your kids are screaming um, and you're like out of control and you're like, I hate the way they're acting. I got to find a resolution to this parenting nightmare. Could be like, I am like, look in the mirror every day and I hate the way I look. And when I put on clothes, I need to get out of this body and into a thinner body, right? Those are all examples of away from motivation. The great thing about that strategy is it initiates change. 
So that's typically what puts the balls in motion for us to go, okay, I can't be here. I got to find an answer. I got to do something. The problem is if we align ourselves with consistent away from motivational strategies is the moment we start to get out of the pain ever so slightly, or for, you know, depends on how long. So the moment it feels like our kids are starting to behave better, then we stop getting consistent around the boundaries we set because we're no longer in the pain, right? Or the moment we start to lose weight and we're like 10 pounds into our 25 pound goal, those clothes are fitting a little better. We're feeling a little better. We're like, oh, I can just have this one meal. I can just have these three bottles of wine. Um, or with money, right? We start to like save and we're like, oh, cool. Well, you know what? I've been such a good girl. I've saved, uh, I've paid off $2,000. I'm going to just like go buy this $500 purse, right? And so this is because we stay in a place of away from motivation. And this is a really important part of or form of self-sabotage. So the question is like, how do we change it then? Uh, oh, the one thing I want to say about this, the, the struggle with this form of motivation is it breeds inconsistent action. We'll do good for a little while and then we'll fall off and we'll get a little bit closer to the pain. We're like, oh shit, I got to get back in action, right? So what we want to practice, and this is why visualization work is a part of what I teach and what I use in my life all the time and goal setting is when we shift our eyes on towards motivation and we think about why do we want the thing I want and we keep our eyes on the prize and do daily practices to visualize that thing, to bring it closer. Then what happens is commitment becomes greater than the motivation. And we're like, I know what I want so bad. I'm going to take consistent action and drive and create a path towards it. And so then if we mess up or we buy the purse, we'll be like, oh, I'm going to take it back. That's not a part of my commitment to myself right? Or no big deal. You had one bottle of wine. Cool. Study the course. Let's go. And so that's a big part of understanding what is the motivational strategy you're relying on and what would it look like if you shifted towards, towards motivation and, and hone in that practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It makes so much sense. And it's, it's interesting that you mentioned all those things. I think about it in the sense of uh, I've, I'm sharing a lot of personal things, Amanda. It seems like I'm, I'm very comfortable with you. Um, I hear that a lot, which is so interesting. Yeah, I'm like, why am I talking about myself? It's what makes her a good coach, obviously. Yeah, it's, this has got to be it. Um, but it's interesting because I feel like in some ways, what we see and what I see in myself is with particular stories um, that like hold such deep value to me there are moments in which I find myself like proving the negative story to be true even if I don't want to so to be specific um I'm in a pretty good place right now but there were these stories that I would tell myself in terms of like wellness and health and um and weight loss honestly that I was like oh you know you you can't maintain this level of fitness or you can't maintain this this and that um, when it comes to your habits. And therefore, I feel like I would almost self-sabotage in the sense of choosing the opposite of what it is that I wanted to do, whether um, there was a moment in which I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to align with my goals on this day. And then I feel like I would like intentionally do the opposite. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, do you yeah, find that with a lot of people that you work with? It's possible. And the answer I have back to that is because sometimes the secondary gain from not changing is real strong. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, there is some sort of, and I find this with weight loss sometimes. So I'm going to give an example, which is not your example. I just want to share a really tangible example is working with a client who would do amazing with changing in her, her life, her thoughts, like would have so amazing. And she would have to have a lot of momentum. And then 
what I unearthed with her, which she was reluctant to tell me initially, is that when she was at her most fit body, she cheated on her husband. And so there was such a gain and a fear of her getting back to that place because the belief was like, oh, that's, that could happen again. So the secondary gain of keeping the weight on kept her safe. Right. And while this is not your story, um, it, it, it manifests and looks different in other ways of like, well, if I lose weight and I'm in this fit body, I'm going to like stand in my power. I'm going to be big. I'm going to be big and I'm going to get this attention. And sometimes that's scary as hell. And so it's just easier to play small in life. And the secondary gain usually comes up from that of just like, the more I like, you know, for me, a lot of stories I have around being on podcasts and pitching to bigger, you know, shows and writing for these media channels that I want to write for. And so I have to work on my stories constantly because um, I have a story that's like, well, but I don't want to be that big. Like, I don't want to be like, I don't want like, so like, I don't want to be that shiny and, you know, and people criticize me because I have a fear of that. And that's the secondary gain. Right. But I'm aware of it. And so I'm like, yeah, and that's not true. Like that's way far from where you are right now. So just keep showing up. So I think this secondary gain is strong for some people or a lot of people. And just being aware of like, it's really the brain's just saying, hey, stay safe, right? You're safe. And it's not true. And so when you just start to talk to your brain and say, hey, if I stay in that body or if I make that money or if I have that family, it's new and different and it's just as safe as the place I'm in right now. Wow. Wow. I, I, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that example. It literally like kind of cracked something open in my mind. Because <laughs> um, I've never thought about that. Like what is the secondary gain? And I, I would have never thought to ask myself that but I know that I like I'm aware of a of a of a story that I tell myself even though I'm actively trying to like not give into it but I have never framed it that way and the safety piece is totally at least tied to mine and I can imagine it's tied to many of them because change is all of them I'm pretty sure yeah great safety worthiness is pretty much where they all find a home at because like uh, Ren and I have been talking a lot about change and like how a lot of people, you know, automatically think change equals scary um, or change equals bad or whatever it might be. But understanding like, okay, so why do we think, why is our immediate reaction to change kind of a negative one or a fearful one? Um, instead of like being able to tell ourselves the story of like something might be different but we can still be safe in that space I don't know that really like cracks up my open for me it's very interesting yeah I'm so glad yeah I mean I think if change was easy I'm air quoting that everybody would be doing it but the reality is it threatens our you know our primal brain and um we just have to be able to talk ourselves and understand that it's, it's there to serve a purpose. It wants to protect us and keep us safe on a cellular level. If we think about this too, uh, because I was, you know, a geeky biology teacher, but, um, ATP is the energy currency that we use to fuel our cells, right. In our body. And it takes more ATP to change Mm -hmm. than it does to stay where we're at. So it's really the body's protective mechanism to conserve calories and to conserve energy. Right. That's why like we're on a taking a test and we're like, F it a, right. Cause we were trying to think of like, 
the answers, right? Or we're like the kid's screaming at four o'clock because he wants pickles and I'm making a meal. And then we're like, whatever, I'm just going to give him the pickles and he doesn't have to eat dinner, right? So that's the contrast and the opportunity that exists. And it's just conservation. And we can also now though, we have a really intelligent part of our brain that can say, oh, but Amanda, that's not true. That's not, that's going to serve you right now in conservation, but in the long run, it's not going to serve where you desire to be. Wow. I think we're both like very equally mind blown and attributing this to our own. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're putting the container on your own hat yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Like how did Literally, it apply? Because even in terms of like expending energy, we were talking about this earlier today as friends um, in terms of like, I think we right. are on as friends uh, we're on such like, you know, we're learning so much from people that we have on the show, obviously you included now and um, or episodes that we listen to for from other podcasts and stuff. And I feel like we're constantly seeking growth. And now that we have like tapped into this place where we're like, holy crap, we could change our lives and we can make the rest of the trajectory of our lives. I don't know if I would say easier, but just like more fluid and more available to really reach our fullest potential if we incorporate these practices now. Um, so as a result, I think sometimes like we were saying earlier is we don't even realize that we're expending energy because now we're so used to these things being part of our like daily practices that we're like, oh, like this is actually taking up energy. <laughs> and then we kind of don't know how to not, not don't know, but I think then we just don't realize how much of ourselves we're dedicating to these things, even if they're positive practices. Um, so yeah, it's super interesting. Um, something that my, um, husband, as you said that I was thinking something that my husband always, my friends will just tell me that I'm super like cerebral and I'm constantly thinking about stuff. And part of it is this, like, I'm, um, spend a lot of time in my own mind, but I think you're at such a beautiful place and something to give yourself permission is you can be happy right here and want more. Mm. right sometimes when we want more and we want these changes people like connect that with like oh you're broken right or there's mm. problems or uh, you're not happy in this life body you know space that you are and that's not true yeah. you are happy and because you are happy you desire more of the same and so that's been something that I have really had to uh, he's been like my sounding board for that belief within us as a family unit too. So I feel like it just kind of lines up with what you were saying. I love that. I think it's really present. I think especially in our twenties too, when it's like, it can so easily be attributed to that. And then it makes me think of like excuse making to other people. Like I know I do that a lot of times. Like I'll, because I'm a people pleaser, which is something I'm actively working against, but I'll want something. And then I'll feel like I have to like make an excuse as to why I want it to like other people because I, I have this story passed down to, I think, many women that we're not allowed to just want more. Like, you can just want more. Like, you can be happy and still want other things. But it's, I, it's a, I think it's something that we have to, like, actively undo. Because I know that I won't just allow myself to do that a lot of times. Like, a lot of my times I'll have to, like, be like, well, I want this because, like, maybe this. Like, I'll, like, make excuses or, or feel that I need to give a reason yeah justify the people, your own choice right right uh, yes exactly justify that's the word like I feel like I have to justify instead of just allowing myself to you know go after or have yeah what it is that I want mm -hmm. totally and, and kind of on that same vein of justifying 
I'm curious if, if this is going to make sense in, in terms of justifying like our own feelings, actions, emotions, like all of that stuff. Do you feel like when, when you're so intentional with this type of work and rewriting narratives and all the stuff that we talked about in this incredible episode, do you feel like there's a point where it's counterproductive meaning like when is the time to like get to the root of something and when is the time to just like acknowledge it observe that it's there and let it go because I think that a lot of us especially when we're trying to be super intentional and like understand where it's coming from and rewrite things like there's a point where we just don't let go of something and don't just let it be what it is and feel like we have to justify why we're feeling it dive into the deep depths of it like when you know when is it counterproductive I guess I think when it becomes a problem for you I mean, really, if we just like, if you're noticing it and you're living amongst it and it's not stopping you from experiencing what you want in life, then cool. Like there's probably other energies to put elsewhere. If it becomes such a constant theme that it is very, you have a great sense of awareness that it's stopping you from going to take the action that you want. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important, you know, to, to then like dive deeper into and also, I mean, this is of course where I hang my coaching hat, but this is why coaching is so valuable too, is we all are trying, like, we're all trying to read the label from inside the bottle and we can't. That's why I work with, you know, coaches myself. I walk the talk because I know how valuable it is to have a third party in my life that doesn't know my kids, my husband for the most part, and has an unemotional attachment. Like, you know, we talk about and one of the things I teach my coaches that I work with is... Um, it's not my job to be your friend and swim in the pool with you when it comes to your emotions. You all have each other for that, right? That's what you have friends for. It's like, validate me, listen to me. And then as a coach, I'm a complete unemotional attachment to that because I don't have a vested interest other than helping you become cognizant and aware of what's holding you back. And so I think that's, you know, a great, sometimes we don't know what the thing is. We just know that we're not getting what we want and we need somebody to help us get there. Um, so I think when it becomes a problem is the time to take a deeper look. Yeah. Wow. Um, this is amazing. Amanda, we could talk to you like literally forever. I feel like I, every time you speak, I have more questions. So thank you so much for like giving all. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, of course. And uh, as I would want to keep you all night, but we have to let you go. So before we let you go, we just want to ask you two little last questions that we ask all our guests. If you could tell your 20s year old self one thing, what would you tell her? I think I kind of mentioned it before is I would say there is no right way um, because that's a limiting decision um, that I have been carrying with me for a long time is that a right way exists. And usually I think everybody else has it and I, I don't have it. And so the belief and the thought that I choose to put on repeat is this, that the right way, the way I'm going is the right way for me right now, right? Or the choices I'm making right now are the right ones for me. And um, in a year, they might be the wrong ones. But right now, this is where I'm supposed to be. I love that. I really do. I think especially because so many of us fall into this category of like feeling, I don't know, like a little indecisive or not knowing if it's the right choice or again, the rumination thing. So um, I think that's super powerful. And our last question, again, this has been so incredible, is where can people find you? So if they want to connect with you, if they want to read all the things you have to share, if they want to listen to your podcast or if they want to work with you. Uh, yeah, so I'm most um, enjoy Instagram as a social media connect. So I'm uh, a walk my way there. I am diving into the world of TikTok because I do reels. So might as well be on TikTok. So 
Um, this will really speak to your audience. I feel like slightly younger than me. I'm coach Amanda Walker on TikTok. Um, but the real place you can connect with more of my work is my podcast, which is called Feel Amazing Naked. Um, and you can visit feelamazingnaked.com. Um, something that's coming up that might be relevant for your um, listeners is September 13th through the 17th. We're hosting a massive five-day challenge called the All In Challenge, where we're just helping you go all in in your life and create um, a new reality. And um, that will be opening doors to our program called Feel Amazing Naked um, right after then as well. Oh, love it. So exciting. Amanda, thank you again so, so much for your time, your energy, and all your incredible wisdom. I know Brenda and I, minds are like cracked wide open, and I hope everybody else is, is too. So we can't thank you enough. This was so fun. Yeah, I had a blast. So thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.